0: for three- and four-year-olds in kindergarten through fifth grade. So glad you've joined us in worship. And if you have your Bible with you, would you go ahead and open up to the book of Proverbs, please? We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 29. And if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, feel free to use one of those in the pew rack in front of you. And I'll give you a shortcut. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 is on page 583 in the Pew Bible. And uh, we're taking a little break this Sunday and next from the book of Romans with our ladies away at retreat this weekend. And with our men folk away next weekend at men's retreat, uh, we're going to hit the pause button on Romans and we'll pick back up. On Palm Sunday together, and it'll be good. And so, uh, this morning, we're going to dive into the deep end of Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen. Would you join me in a word of prayer, please? Father, you've heard our prayer and song. That you would speak to us, and here's what we know to be true: you You are the speaking God. Your voice has never stopped. And so, since you are speaking, Father, my prayer is that you would give us ears to hear, that we would receive your word that it would be planted deep in us. It would bear fruit even this morning. Holy Spirit, help us to see this time not as a finish line, but as a starting line to the days ahead that your word would propel us forward. We love you. Help me as I communicate your word. Help me do it faithfully and clearly so that you would be exalted. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once upon a time, my family and I lived in Wichita, Kansas. And here's something you might not know about Wichita, Kansas. The roads of Wichita, Kansas are laid out on a grid. It is a thing of beauty Uh, in one mile increments. North to south roads are there and east to west roads are there as well. It's just as simple as that. Uh, The main thoroughfare in the middle of the city, the main east-west road is called Douglas Avenue. And every road going north of Douglas Avenue is numbered upward. So you have north 1st Street, north 2nd, north 3rd, the way the Lord intended his creation to be ordered. And then south of Douglas, same thing. South 1st, south 2nd, all the way down. Then we moved here. And you laugh. You shouldn't laugh. You should weep for the nightmare of infrastructure we live with. Who even knows what the sign thickly settled means? No, you're just supposed to know this. I just thought thickly settled meant they're proud that people live here. There's a people in this area and it's settled thickly with humans. But you're supposed to know that means 35 miles an hour. You're just supposed to be born with that knowledge, I guess. And here's... My latest example of the insanity of our roads. If you are on Broad Street in Weymouth and you're driving towards Hingham, you're gonna change. Broad Street changes into High Street, changes into Free Street, for a little bit turns into Lazelle, then changes into Union, and then changes to Middle, and then when you cross Main Street, you're now on Main Street. You haven't made a single turn. One road, seven different names in like 5 miles. Someone explain this to me. It is complete chaos and insanity. But this is this is the life we lead. So, I'm just saying, there's two different ways to plan a city and to lay out roads, and this is what we have. Uh, These two road systems are great analogies for life as well. Life can be chaos and struggle, or life can be blessing and fulfillment. And, And we're studying just one single verse this morning that helps us understand both of these paths. And although it's just one verse and one short sentence, it has the potential to keep you from catastrophic ruin and to lead you towards a life of joy and fulfillment both today and forever. Which path are you on? And how do you know? My purpose in preaching this verse today is to guide you towards an abundant, joyful life in the Lord. I want to do that by describing these two different paths that every person is living on. So in Proverbs 29, 18, since we just have one verse, one line, I'd like for all of us to read it out loud together, and if you need, it will be on the screen uh, right here behind me. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Why just one verse? Why not study the verses before and the verses after it? Well, the reason is because this verse is a standalone saying in the middle of a collection of standalone sayings. There are places in the book of Proverbs where you can uh, you could preach or you could study larger teaching units for sure. But and even in this case, I, I would assume that in Proverbs 29 we could find some common thread that might link these various sayings together. But just for our purposes this morning, we're going to take this one standalone proverb on its own and spend our time with it. Uh, This one line has a very clear parallel structure. There are two different lines. The first line gives warning. The second line promises blessing. And these two lines inform each other, as you'll see uh, throughout the course of our study this morning. Now, the idea of two paths, a path of chaos or a path of blessing, this this type of language is common, not just in the book of Proverbs, you'll find it everywhere in Proverbs, but it's common throughout the Bible. Oftentimes, the language used might be path of righteousness versus path of wickedness. Uh, You might also find path of darkness versus path of light. Jesus uses this type of language as well when he speaks of the narrow gate or the wide gate. Every place in Scripture where we see this type of language used, it's very binary. There's just two choices, a path to destruction, a path of blessing. There's no middle ground in between those two, and that's what we find here as well, this same very direct language, you're either this or you're that. And so it begs the question on the front end, what sort of life am I living? What sort of life... Do I want to live? Do I want to live a life of chaos or do I want to live a life of blessing? So let's consider these two paths together this morning. Let's think first about the path to chaos. The first line of the proverb gives us the warning. Without revelation, people run wild. Well, what's the revelation that this verse is talking about. And, and shouldn't we use the word vision instead of revelation? That's perhaps what we've heard most often. If you're familiar with this verse, you may have heard it quoted before or read it before as, without vision, the people perish. That's, we're only familiar with that one line and with that sort of verbiage. So why the word revelation here? Why not vision or something else? Well, the Hebrew word used here is a word kazah. And kezah can be translated as vision or revelation or prophecy. It's always a reference to divine communication, especially to prophets. So in Old Testament history, when God's people strayed from their covenant relationship with God, God called them back to Him through His spokesmen, the prophets. The prophets weren't so much future tellers as much as they were present proclaimers they're speaking to people in the here and now who have broken their relationship with God and through the voice and the authority of God they are calling God's people back to him it's a call to repentance and return to their covenant relationship with God and we've seen or heard this verse misused quite often because of a basic misunderstanding of what the word vision or revelation means I think I've only ever heard this verse used to describe a leader's plan for an organization or a pastor's plan for his church or a person's individual goals or plans for their future, right? Without vision, the people perish. We latch on to what we think the word vision means and then we begin to plan and dream and come up with ideas for ourselves and our future, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but the problem here is that this word kazah does not mean any of that. It never means that in the Bible. It always means God's spoken word. And so that's why the translation of the Bible we've read from this morning uses the word revelation. Just so you can see the way other Bible translations use this, let me show you how a few other translations approach this word. Uh, The ESV says where there is no prophetic vision. The New International Version where there's no revelation, same for the New King James, no revelation, New Revised Standard where there is no prophecy. So you see how Bible translators are making sense of this word. This word is not a call to us to dream and set goals, although setting goals is not a bad thing at all. And this is not telling us that pastors should lead their churches towards the fulfillment of their own goals and dreams, although that's not a bad thing either. This verse has a very specific purpose, and that is to turn God's people to God's voice. We can be even more specific here. The the warning says to us, without revelation. What does it mean to be without revelation? Revelation. Well, well, remember, we have this parallel structure in the verse, and the two lines can inform each other. So to be without revelation can be informed by its positive counter in the second line, which is to follow, or obey, or keep the law. So to be without something, we normally think of, well, I, I don't possess it, I don't have that. But that's not the reference here in the warning. It's not about possessing the word of God. It's about following, obeying, keeping the word of the Lord. Possession of the law and obedience to God's word are two very different things. Haven't we been learning this in our study of Romans? In fact, Paul multiple times has talked about the emptiness of possessing the law. You can be among God's people who possess God's word and yet not stand right with God. Possession of the law is not the same as obedience to God's word. And so what happens if we don't obey God's word? Well, verse 18 tells us that without God's voice, people run wild. Let me teach you another Hebrew word that might be helpful for this verse. The word is "para," and that's the word that's translated run wild. It can mean let loose. It can mean cast off restraint. Imagine a classroom of third graders without a teacher and a pile of pixie sticks. That's, that's what you get with para just mad chaos, living to your appetites, out of control, unhinged, feral, Lord of the Flies type of scenario. Without God's voice, people run wild. There's a great biblical example of this in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they are camped at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up the mountain to meet with Yahweh, and there he's receiving the Ten Commandments. When he comes down the mountain, do you remember what he finds in the camp? The people have made for themselves a golden calf and they are worshiping the golden cow. Moses is up speaking with God. The people are down worshiping A golden cow of their own making. Now, when you and I think of worship, we think of things orderly, quaint, neat. That's not what's happening when Moses comes off the mountain. He doesn't find like a nice little choir dressed in black and white dairy style robes, you know, singing bovine hymns. The sort of worship he sees is salacious, it's grotesque, it's horrific. And that's why it's described this way in Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. It says, Moses saw that the people were out of control. That's our word, para. Moses saw that the people were para, for Aaron had let them get out of control. Para. What happens if we are not following the word of God? We run wild. We are people. Out of control. We will run wild with our appetites. If we're not hearing the voice of God, we will follow the voice of our flesh, of our ego, of our vices. This is a true warning that you and I have to hear and receive and believe. Perhaps from your own story or others around you. look. I can just tell you I've had so many sad conversations with people whose sin has been found out or who are broken by their sinful choices. And there's one common detail in every one of these scenarios. Not one of those people are listening to God. Not one of those people were following the word of the Lord. They had cast off restraint and in doing so they had hurt others and they were not happy at what they had done. There's another way to think about this casting off restraint or running wild, though. We normally think of running wild as some sort of salacious sin, but there are other ways we can run wild without God's Word. We can run wild with despair or fear or guilt or grief. To live without God's Word is to live as if there is no God at all. And what strikes me in particular about this verse is that Proverbs twenty nine eighteen is not written for the sake of an atheist audience. It's written to the believing community. It's a warning for those who are in relationship with the Lord. You can number yourself among God's people and yet ignore the Word of God to your own demise. We have to hear this warning and believe it this morning. What's the alternative then? If, if that's the path of chaos... What other option do we have? That's our second path. Let's talk about it now. That's the path to blessing. So without revelation, people run wild, but the one who follows divine instruction will be happy. So this is the positive side to the verse. First comes warning. Next comes blessing. So it tells us we're to follow divine instruction. So what does that mean? our, Our translation uses the word instruction. The same word is used and translated as law. So it could be God's law. It's always God's word. That's the reference here. The one who follows divine instruction, the one who follows God's word, is the one who will be happy. We're not merely to hear the word of God. We are to do the word of God. How many of you have had this sort of scenario? It just—it makes sense that hearing and doing are two different things. Maybe you've had this conversation with a child. You walk into a mess of a bedroom and you say, "I I thought I told you to clean this room. Did you hear me say, clean the room? And the child says, yes, I heard you say that the first three times and I told you I'll get to it. But you didn't give the instruction just to be heard. You didn't walk into that space and think, hey, there's a vacuum of words here, and I think I'm going to fill it with nonsense language coming out of my mouth just for the benefit of my child's ears. You gave an instruction to be followed. Your word hasn't been heard if it hasn't been obeyed. That's why you give that instruction. And so it is for us with the Word of God. The Word of God is not something for us merely to hear, but for us to pattern our lives after, to live within. And, and our various translations of the Bible this morning also get at this very same point. Let me show you how they've treated this line as well. In the ESV, it says, Blessed is he who keeps the law. NIV, the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. New King James happy is he who keeps the law new revised Standard, same thing the one who keeps the law so this is what it's driving at we're blessed when we pattern our lives live within the boundaries of god's word what's the payoff when we obey the word of the lord well the payoff is a blessed life. It's a happy life. Personally, I like the word blessed more than happy. The same word can be translated both ways and it's faithful and true. Um, But I often think of happiness as situational. The word blessed describes an abiding inner joy that's independent of our circumstances. And so we're with the Lord. So being blessed by God as we follow His Word doesn't mean we're immune from difficulty and hardship in life. It doesn't mean we're going to avoid every pitfall and challenge. It means even in those most difficult situations, we abide with the Lord. He's with us. We're with Him. And that's where the blessing is found. This idea of being happy or blessed as we walk with the Lord is the very idea that opens the book of Psalms. Do you know that? Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 starts this way. It says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. The entire book of Psalms opens with language of the paths. And the happiness, the blessing that's found when we walk in the way of the Lord. This blessing and happiness is not a small thing at all. But look, we, we have to be clear here that happiness is not the goal of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Rather, happiness, blessing is the byproduct. God is the goal. He's the one we're to pursue. His voice is the one we're seeking so that we can love and trust Him and obey Him. And that's the stuff of a salvation life. If we put happiness as the goal, as the finish line of this verse, then God becomes a servant to our happiness. He just becomes some cosmic butler in the sky, this vending machine that does what we want when we pray our wishes to Him. But that's not the goal of God's Word. That's not the goal of the Gospel. The goal is to know Him, to be in relationship with Him. If we take this verse as a demand for cold obedience to religious rules, we're understanding it wrong. It's an invitation to an adoring relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our understanding of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen in this way might be helped if we consider Psalm 23 alongside it. So let me show you just the first few verses of Psalm 23. Again, look here for the language of the paths. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What's a path of righteousness? It's a life that hears God's voice and follows His instruction. A path of righteousness is not merely some pathway in life that is unimpeded or void of hardship or challenge. The path of righteousness is where our God is. That's where I want to be. Wherever my God is, that's the path of righteousness. And these paths of righteousness sometimes are going to take us through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though it's the valley, it's still a path of righteousness. And sometimes that path of righteousness is going to take us through the presence of our enemies. But it's still a path of righteousness. In those valleys and among those enemies, you might need to pray something like Psalm One Nineteen One O Five. 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And when that righteousness takes you through the valleys or to the presence of your enemies, you might need to remind yourself of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Listen, self, you've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways know Him. He will make your paths straight. As we follow God on the path of righteousness in all the places it takes us, Psalm 23 tells us that we are pursued By God's goodness and mercy. We're following God. We're trailed by goodness and mercy. And its eventual destination is that path takes us to the house of the Lord where we will dwell with Him forever and ever. Because God is the goal. He's the treasure. And in Him we find our blessing and happiness. This proverb promises happiness. Not some shallow situational happiness. But the person who follows divine instruction will possess deep, abiding joy in the presence of the Lord both now and forever. And so Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen gives us two distinct paths. First, we're warned of the path of rebellion that results in a life of chaos. And we're invited to follow the Lord and enjoy a life of blessing. Here's a tricky thing with this verse. If we think that we now have two paths in front of us, as if we are currently standing at a fork in the road, we're wrong. You're already on a path. The question is not which path will you choose. The question is which path are you on? And how will you determine that? How do you know what path you're on? Will you just look at your life and say, you know, I'm generally happy with where things are. I'm on the path of blessing. But here's something that's true. You can have every worldly success and be trailblazing the path to chaos. You can be on that wide road to destruction and by every worldly standard be a success, envious, someone great and fantastic. You can have it all and yet have absolutely nothing. Conversely, you can have nothing by this world's standards and yet be the most blessed person to be drawing breath here and now. We settle for such empty happiness, for such little blessings of our own making, of the world's defining, and that's a problem We're so easily distracted from what the Lord has for us, and we settle for things that are so much less. C.S. Lewis described this kind of life in his book, The Weight of Glory. He described it this way, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like in ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Yeah, it's not that we want too much, it's that we want too little. That's the problem. So is your life chaos? Is your life struggle? Is, is, is your life defined by settling for cheap, fleeting Happiness? Are you walking the valleys without a protector or a guide? When we find ourselves living on the path of chaos, there, there's a change that's needed. And what does that change look like? If I find myself heading towards destruction, making sinful choices, running wild in myself, how do I change that? Well, we've already looked at the solution this morning. You didn't know it at the time, but we're sneaky. And we front-loaded the solution to a life of chaos earlier in this service. Pastor Steve read it when he read Psalm 119 to us. Let me show you a few of these verses. Here's our solution today. Psalm 119, starting, starting in verse 58. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. I hurried, not hesitating to keep your commands. Though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your instruction. This is not a call back to cold obedience to religious rules. It's an invitation to return to your gracious heavenly Father. When the psalmist remembered that he had a gracious father waiting for him. How did he respond? He said, I hurried, not hesitating to keep your commands. Man, when you realize that God waits, he's faithful when we're unfaithful. He's forgiving. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ who died for us and rose again and made us his children. When we realize that's what we have, oh man, we, we, we leave that destruction and chaos behind and we run once again into the kind arms of our forgiving, healing, wonderful Heavenly Father. We hurry. It's it's time to turn. There's no time to waste. The earth is filled with God's faithful love. And so, friends, set your life to follow Him on the path of blessing. And it's possible that, that your life is on the path of chaos because you're not a believer. Here's a litmus test. If you view God only as the path to happiness, it's possible you do not truly know God. Think of it this way Do you have someone in your life that you love? Someone that, I mean, they're your number one person, you adore them. Do you love them because of the gifts they give you at the holidays? Or could you love them if they gave you no gift whatsoever? they themselves are the treasure god is the treasure he's not a giver of trinkets he himself our creator who knows us and has bought us at such a great price he is the treasure himself he's not merely spitting out our our wishes that we give to him in prayer But his love for us is unmatched. And and even though you have lived as a rebel against him, as we all have, he showed his love by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to take the penalty of your sin and to give you the gift of his righteousness. When Jesus died on the cross in your place, he took all of your chaos so that you could have all of his blessing, all of your darkness so you could have all of his light, all of your sins so you could have all of his holiness. And if you will turn to Him in faith, trusting that His death and resurrection are the work that saves you, then you'll be forgiven of your sin, your shame removed. You'll know abundant life both now and forever in Him. So which will you choose? Will you take chaos or will you take blessing? And I urge you to hurry now into the grace of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the power of one verse to dissect our souls and to lay us open before you. Holy Spirit, your word to us has been clear this morning. And as you have impressed on our hearts, we've heard your voice, we have felt your conviction, we know you are guiding us into truth. Holy Spirit, in your kindness, would you continue to lead us in repentance even now? For my brothers and sisters in here who find themselves on the path of chaos, which could be a, a way of living that no one else is necessarily in the know about, Lord, would you bring them to your voice that they would hear you, that they would. Confess and repent and be forgiven and cleaned once more. Lord, rescue them from the sure chaos ahead. For our friends in here that don't know you as their Savior, God, I pray this morning that they would turn to you and they would find you to be the treasure they've always longed for. That one abiding joy both now and forever. Lord, let us be the kind of church that hears your voice and does it and that does so gladly out of our relationship with you, not as a way to merit your goodness or not as a way of turning grace into legalism, but Lord, out of the joy of being your children and you being our Father, let us walk in your way. Thank you for guiding us in all these paths. When that righteousness, the path of righteousness, takes us into the valleys, into our enemies, through the pit, we're grateful to be with you in all of it. So, Lord, add to our endurance this morning. Strengthen us as we walk with you, our Heavenly Father, and pattern our lives according to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.